You're listening to Pet Fluff with Katie Mara, a lifestyle podcast that features various topics, current events, tips and advice, and the occasional guest that not only benefits you, but also your pet. So come and join me and take a listen as I am your host, Katie Mara. Welcome back to another episode of Pet Fluff with Katie Mara. I know I've been away for some time, been working on some things, but I'm back. And those who are new to my podcast, you're probably asking, who am I? Well, I'm a pet sitter by day and podcaster by night. My husband Herbert and I own a pet care company in Northern Virginia and have been professional sitters for over 10 years. I've seen it all with pets, young to old, disabled and sick, and even behavioral issues, including anxiety and aggression. I wanted to create a platform for all pet lovers and owners to accrue information about all things pets. Today, we will cover why picking out the right food for your pet is so important. Plus, I will answer the question of why is my dog excessively barking and how to limit it. And instead of doing a feature pet of the episode, I am going to talk about an exciting new partnership that we have with one of our favorite shelters. So we have a lot to talk about today. I'm excited to be back. Let's get into our first segment. Here's the scooper. Here's the scooper, where a captivating current event can spark a conversation or a feel-good story that makes your heart smile. And best of all, it's all about the animals. If you live in the DMV area, the Washington, D.C. area, for those who live outside of the states, in Alexandria, Virginia, there is a dog bar opening in the fall called Brewski's Bark House. It is the DMV's first-ever dog-friendly bar. The bar features off-leash indoor and outdoor dog park. There will be food and drink available, and Bark House has also collaborated with The Laughing Pig for a specialized menu at the venue space. In order to provide a safe space for dogs and owners, Brewski's Bark House requires a membership and liability waiver that must be signed upon your arrival. They do have some requirements to ensure the safety of your dogs prior to obtaining a monthly or yearly pass, which is Proof of vaccinations are required upon entry. All dogs must be at least four months old. All dogs must have a membership or a day pass upon entry. Dogs over eight months should be spayed or neutered, but dogs exceeding over a year or in heat will not be allowed. One dog is maximum per guest, and a liability form must be signed and presented upon entry. This liability form informs all guests and their dogs that they will be held liable for all dogs' actions, which includes injuries and damages made on the property, people, and other dogs. Now, I did check out their yearly membership and their monthly membership pricing. So their yearly membership pricing is $225 a year. And their monthly pricing is $25 a month. I couldn't find a day pass pricing. They didn't have it listed, but I'm sure it's probably, I would say, around $15 to $20 if it's monthly $25. And if you sign up by the 1st of October, you'll receive some perks depending on your 
membership level, like some t-shirts, some merch, maybe some free beer. That's what kind of like I read. So it depends on the membership option that is available for you to choose. So I thought this was like such an awesome idea. I know a lot of dog owners are going to be excited to bring their dogs there. And I think it's such a great way to meet people and to have their dog associate with others. People who have new puppies over four months old. I think this is a perfect way for them to socialize with dogs and other people. And it seems like it would be a safe space to do so. Plus, you can enjoy a freaking beer. So single people with dogs, I see bright things in your future. Now we're going to get on to our next topic, all the fluff. All the fluff, where discussions happen and information is absorbed to help aid you and your pet. It is the staple of every living creature on this earth. Us humans regard food not only as nourishment, but food is a cultural staple socially when celebrating holidays and life events. But when it comes to our pets, there are so many available options to make for our cats and dogs to be happy. It can become confusing and expensive. But knowing the basics of what is nutritious for our pets can help us decide the best options available. A dog's natural diet in the wild is primarily being a carnivore. Dogs would hunt small prey, which includes rodents, rabbits, birds, and even insects. With a pack, they can even hunt for larger prey. Unlike cats, they aren't obligated carnivores. They can eat vegetated matter And dogs have known to eat rotted fruit and dig up veggies and eat grass and herbs. They also eat leftovers from others' dinners, meaning rotted flesh, and can be scavengers. They have also found nutrition in what we find repulsive, like vomit, feces, and decaying flesh. Dogs don't necessarily eat every day. A healthy dog in the wild can go a week without eating. They will also eat what their body tells them to. So not every day they eat a balanced meal. And most importantly, dogs don't eat grains. They can't digest it properly. And even if they could, it wouldn't convert into sugar for later use anyway. Now, a cat's natural diet is a carnivore diet or often called an obligate carnivore. They rely on nutrients, which is unattainable from plant sources or grains. Cats have been domesticated much longer than dogs, but were used in the outdoors, so they would also prey on rodents, birds, rabbits, and squirrels. Cats occasionally will also graze on grass for more digestive issues to help pass uneasy meals. Cats will also prey on the occasional reptile and insects, much like dogs. Depending on the cat's environment, they will also occasionally feast on rotted flesh as their stomachs have a higher acidity level to handle things like rotted meats. So how does this translate into everyday feeding? If you have the time or the energy, a raw diet would be available for both a cat and a dog. That would be the ideal method. But before I get into the best options, we first have to take a look back at the pet food industry as a whole. 
In the mid-1800s, dogs and cats primarily lived outside and ate raw meats and scraps. The Industrial Revolution had a growth of the middle class, which led cats and dogs to become house pets. This created a more civilized companion, which led to the indoor pet. In 1860, James Spratt developed a dog cake, which now is called a dog biscuit. He wanted a sustainable item for his dog on long trips that they would take together. After passing some around to his friends and colleagues, it became quite popular. So over time, he developed an aggressive advertising campaign towards the middle class, and it took off. He also created life stages and developed certain nutrients of biscuits available for a dog's different stage of life. Fast forward to the early 1900s, dog food and marketing became such a big thing. So people would see the dog food and marketing and wanted to keep buying this ready-made dog food. Ken L. Rations became the most popular wet food up until 1950. From 1950 on, General Mills and Purina would enter the field by creating a more palatable dog food option. They were experimenting with cereal because of the rations of metal cans and creating a more sustainable food option in pet food. By 1956, dry food was born. The process is called extrusion. Side note, I think there is so much information of the pet care food industry and how this, the history of it. I think I should do another separate podcast on it. Email me at petfluffpodcast at gmail.com if you think that's an interesting topic to talk about. There's just so much information and I can't cover it all. And I would love to go into exclusion a little bit more. With this exclusion process, this is what we know as kibble today. In 1964, a group of pet food lobbyists called the Pet Food Institute launched a major campaign to convince people that kibble was the only, I mean, only option available. That's insane. To feed their pet. Well, it worked. And this strategy is used today. I mean, it's still in place today. And, you know, this also reminds me of the history of the De Beers and the diamond market industry. But I know this is not that type of podcast. So if you're interested, look at how De Beers came to be. Now that you have a little bit of history on pet food and how it was established, raw food is the first and best option available for both dogs and cats. I'm going to break down how raw food works for dogs and how it works for cats. So with dogs... You want three things. You want raw meat, a raw bone, and raw veggies. And there's three simple steps to use this raw food. So you would take the raw meat, cheap cuts like chicken, beef, lamb, pork, and you want to mince it and dice it. And then you want to grate veggies into the meat. And this is pretty much any vegetable but potatoes, onion, and garlic. And the ratio for this combination would be two-thirds meat and one-third veggie. And then being able to get meaty bones at a butcher or around here, H-Mart sells them and you want to give them a raw meaty bone once a day as a treat. And that is the best way to do it. It's honestly the least expensive way. It's just labor intensive. Now, raw food for cats, you would want to grind up pure turkey, lamb, beef, chicken, rabbit, fish, bison, or any other exotic meat and measure and serve and freeze the rest. I mean, it's really easy. 
You can also add cat protein powder and an egg yolk with the meat to give added nutrients. With both of these options, you actually don't have to even cook the meat. But if you're coming from a pathogen perspective, searing the meat, just slightly cooking it, would be just fine. Now, I know most pet owners would rather buy their food in the store. So here are some things to look at when reading the labels for your dog or cat's food. For dogs, ideally, you would want grain-free, no corn. In the list of ingredients, ideally want meat first, not meat byproduct, not anything, just meat. And then veggie second, and then carbohydrates towards the bottom of the food list. Now, if it's like the third or second option, then you probably want to put that food away because it has way too many carbohydrates for a dog. And then you want them to also include vitamins and amino acids. And when it comes to the treats, you want them to be based in the United States. There was a whole big thing a few years ago about dog treats being processed in China and they were poisonous. So just make sure that any of those chicken treats or any of those treats are made in the United States so that they aren't tainted. Now cats, ideally when you want food, you want a wet food and on the back of the label, ideally you would like as high of crude protein as possible. So 52% crude protein, 46% fat and 2% carbs. Now I know that's kind of a very strict crude protein diet. So the higher those numbers are closer to the 52%, the 42%, and the 2% is the better option available. In both of these options for cats and dogs, do not get food that has corn, byproducts, soy, wheat, or other fillers, as well as animal meal, because these are all processed items that can cause major health issues down the road for your pet. On a side note, cats do better on a wet food-based diet. They do not have a high thirst drive like dogs, which wet food provides. It provides the extra moisture that they need. Dry food also has a higher percentage of carbohydrates, which leads to kidney disease, diabetes, and thyroid disease, which is very prevalent in cats. Limit dry food, but it's okay to have some for the crunch for their teeth. It should be primarily wet food. Also, for dogs... More and more dogs are having allergies to meats, so read the packages because they can be allergic to certain types of meat. A vegetarian diet is also an option as well. They do have vegetarian-based foods, and I only recommend this to dogs that have severe allergies because in the end of the day, dogs need meat. They need the protein. So choosing the right option of nutrient-dense food for your pet will in turn create a healthy and happy pet. Now we're going on to our next segment, Q&A time. It's Q&A time. Solve all your animal problems here. No matter how pressing or silly your question is, don't worry, I got you covered. Now it's time to get into the nitty gritty. Bobby Kay from Anaheim, California asks, 
My dog has a tendency of barking obsessively. He barks at everyone and everything. He barks inside, he barks outside, and anything in between. I understand dogs have to bark, but why so much? How do I limit the barking? Bobby K, I know this is a very frustrating problem, not only for you, but for many owners. I know I've touched on barking before in previous episodes, but as we know, dogs communicate vocally. The main reasons why dogs bark, whine, chew, or show aggression, one, they are territorial. They are fearful where they hear sounds outside that startle them. They're either bored or lonely. They are trying to greet other people or play. They are trying to seek attention or they have separation anxiety or compulsive barking, which sounds like a lot of what Bobby is experiencing. So how to treat excessive barking? Remember, consistency is key and patience and practice. Shouting at a dog only makes things worse. And actually, they think that you're joining in. So using a calm and firm tone is best for enforcement. Train the dog using the word quiet. Dogs don't know shut up and yelling. Say quiet in a calm and firm voice when barking. Wait until they stop, even if it's just to take a breath. Reward them right away with a treat. With this consistency, they will catch on fairly quickly. As I've said in the past, a tired dog is a quiet dog. So exercise. Exercise is the number one thing. Stimulation puzzles keep them occupied. And then with all the running and jumping, they will be tuckered out and they won't bark. Nip that barking in the bud as soon as possible. Barking long term can give an adrenaline rush and make it more pleasant to a dog, which in turn can become more aggressive. An example may be when the mailman comes to deliver mail, the dog goes Ape shit. Get that under control as soon as possible because it will just spiral out of control and it will cause issues down the road. For any ongoing problem, make sure it is not neurological, especially when it comes to older dogs. When they become a bit senile, they end up having excessive expression, which turns into elongated barking. If your dog is territorial or a bit fearful, limit your dog's vision, close blinds, build a higher wooden fence, move the mailbox away from the doors, anything to block their sight from excessive barking. Now, if your dog is bored or lonely, provide activities for them during the day when you're not there, whether it's a puzzle toy, a chew toy, etc., and even provide some companionship for them, such as a dog walker, something to keep them occupied during the day so that they are not excessively barking. Also, a dog daycare can help a couple days a week so that they can get the socialization that they need. Now, if your dog is greeting or playing, training them away from the door and creating a spot to make them sit and wait until it's okay for guests to come through the door or allowing you to open the door without them going out the front door is key. If they're wanting attention, just remember, never reward for barking. Do not fill that water dish if they want water. Train them to ring a bell or ignore their behavior until they stop. Reward them when they do stop. If all else fails, see a behavioralist. Be consistent 
Don't encourage the barking and never consider debarking surgery. It's like the worst thing ever. It can cause serious life-threatening side effects. I hope, Bobby K, this answers your question. And if you have any questions for me, please feel free to reach out to me at petfluffpodcast at gmail.com. Now we're going to get on to our next segment, pet fluff feature of the episode, but we're doing something special this episode. So stay tuned. Well, it's time for my favorite segment, which is the feature pet of the episode. This is where I showcase a local DMV pet that is in need of a forever home. So, let me help you find your forever pet. So, CRC Pet Service and Pet Love with Katie Mara are excited today to announce that we have joined Homeward Trails Animal Rescue as a sponsor of the 2020 Stretcher Mutt Walk. This is a virtual walk and community fundraising event hosted by the Best Friends Animal Society and will take place on October 24th. We want to help them by meeting their goal of raising $10,000 for their homeless animals. As COVID has impacted us all in many ways, Homeward Trails has faced a loss of more than $50,000 due to canceled events, which means that the lives they are saving are in jeopardy. The puppies and kittens who deserve a chance for a long and healthy life. The dogs and cats who will face euthanasia due to treatable but expensive injuries or surgeries. So many reasons to support this cause. So please join us and Homeward Trails to save more lives. I will provide all of the information in our link on our IG page at CRC Pet Service, and you can find the link there. You can go to their homepage at homewardtrails.org, and you'll see the stretcher mutt icon. Press the join the team button. Once you are registered, you will receive a welcome email from Homeward Trails and additional details about participating in this fun virtual event. If you are not a walker, you can still donate. Visit their homepage, donate to the team, and make a check payable to Homer Trails. We will update you on the progress and prize information coming in the weeks, but there is no time to lose. The animals need us, and CRC Pet Service and Pet Fluff with Katie Mara is excited to save more lives. So please, please, please join us. And this will be a great event for any pets. If you're looking to donate, it doesn't matter where you're from. Pick Homeward Trails. They've done such great things over the years. And help us out. We are just so excited to be part of this event. We are looking forward to any support that you are able to provide. about that time for me to get out of here it's so great to be back and recording i love you all i appreciate always your support if you ever want to contact me for anything questions comments concerns suggestions feel free to email me at petfluffpodcast at gmail.com if you are looking for pets care services in the northern virginia area primarily in arlington falls church mclean and tyson's 
CRC Pet Service is your go-to pet sitting services. We provide pet care, pet sitting, overnight care, boarding, dog walking, cat sitting, whatever. Anything that's pets, we can do. We've also included plant care. So if you're needing plant care, feel free to reach out to us. And that is www.crcpetservice.com. And you can follow us on our Instagram page at CRC Pet Service. Next episode, I will be discussing myths and truths about our pets. Is it okay to crate my animal? Is it okay to dock my dog's ears? Is it okay to declaw my cat? Is it okay to debark my dog? I will answer all these weird mythical questions. Are these good practices? Are these bad practices? What are the implications of these actions? We will go over all of that and more. Plus, how old is my dog really? It's so confusing and we'll go into that. So until next time guys, I hope you guys have a blessed day. And in case you have forgotten today, you matter, you are loved, you are worthy, and you are magical.